All right, we're back. Uh, we've got a lot to do. Uh, first, we'll welcome in Peter Schrager from Fox. Um, you see him on the, the show every morning, and he's got a show on the weekend, and he does the games once in a while, or a lot of times he does the games. You got a game this weekend, or no? I don't. I'll be in L.A., Mike, uh, for the Fox pregame show oh, okay. on Sunday. All right, yeah. so uh, I'm sure this morning you might have spent a couple of minutes on uh, last night's game. Uh, so how long do you think the suspension should be? I think they nailed it. I think they did everything in right. So I'm not outraged with any of the response. I thought, if anything, it wasn't swift enough, but that's really picking, picking out little things here. I mean, I, the, the, the egregious nature of this act is something I haven't seen since covering the game and the, through the book of Garrett. I know a lot of Steelers fans, um, I find the Browns fans are upset right now that Mason Rudolph didn't get anything. I think there might be some discipline for Rudolph coming. It's mentioned in the release from the NFL. Um, but I think the nature of that act is so unprecedented. And maybe you've got a history book and far greater knowledge of the game. I, I never saw up. anybody hit anyone with a helmet before. No, I never did either. I uh, so, uh, And I, I think he's actually going to get suspended in, uh, at least part of next year, if not all next year. I don't think it's just this year. It's indefinite. I think there's going to be longer suspension. I think it could be. In the, I don't think he's going to get life, but I do think he could get a full year. Uh, I think it's possible he could get this year and half of next year. I think, that's, I think that still remains to be seen, and I don't have a problem if they do. I mean, I think this is something – he's very lucky that he's not dealing with criminal charges now, he's, uh, which he might have if he had hit him with the, you know, with the solid part of the helmet. Yeah, the agent for Mason Rudolph sent out a note early this morning basically saying, you know, we're, we're upset with the thing, whatever it was, at the end of it says – we're looking into all options. Which on, means they can sue They can sue Yeah, yeah. yes. And, and this is how it could end up going down. Look, I, I saw it in real time. I happened to be up at that hour. No one had to be up early. Yeah, I saw it. To the I end saw of the game. It. Yeah. And it was as outrageous as it gets. And here's, here's the yin and the yang to it. It's, you know, I've met Miles Garrett maybe 10 times. And you know this. And they said this a million times today. But couldn't be a softer, sweeter guy. And he was like, you know, he's in line to be a Walter Payton man. But, he, he lost his cool. He lost his mind in that moment. And it doesn't matter if he's uh, man of the year or not off the field. In that moment, he had nearly seriously injured someone. And if that helmet hits the right way, it could have killed somebody. So, listen, Garrett is actually a decent guy off the field. Is that true? Oh, yeah. No. Well, good, but on the field, because on the field, he's been a dirty player all year. I mean, since he's been the I mean, yeah. there, was, there was a play with Simeon that people are pointing to. and he hit Oh, the no. He, there's a couple of times early this year he took cheap shots at the quarterback. And I even mentioned it a couple of times that he really was borderline. He just had to clean up his act. So he had been dirty with the quarterback before. Uh not anything where it was, you know, where it was outrageous, but chippy, really chippy with the quarterback that I noticed it. And he just was stupid where he didn't need to do it, and he was doing it. So I didn't know what kind of guy he was off the field. But, I mean, obviously he's got a temper, which we, we found out last night. Yeah, and the off-the-field stuff doesn't matter when you see that in real time and you've got millions of kids waking up this morning putting on ESPN or NFL Network or whatever network it is, and that's just being shown 40 times. This is one of those rare deals where – you know, your history, all that stuff is thrown out the window. What happened in that moment was such an outrageous act that they had to do everything they could. I think uh, I think the NFL's penalties are, are just, and I think you're right. I think there could be more than just one season. Yeah, I think it will be, but and I think it's deserving. And we'll see if he gets – you know, listen, he, he, I'm sure the league will would, would hope that Rudolph won't uh, file a civil suit, but he's obviously within bounds if he does. I mean, or they might be looking for a quick settlement. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Talking with Peter Schrager. All right. Um, 
let, let's start with the teams that are uh, that are like on the brink right now, like uh, the Rams and the and the Bears. Bears are a mess. Rams are not much better. They're in a little bit of trouble too. How about how about those two teams? And you're close to the Rams, so how about take the Rams first? Yeah, this is one of those games. It feels like it's le- loser is done for the year. Rams are home. Um, I'll tell you this: the running back is certainly not the player that he was last year, and they have not relied on him down the stretch in any which way. So that's a great disappointment, but it's also the quarterback and the offensive line. And what happened last week, I know there's a lot of fantasy football players who are saying, hey, well, why did Cooper Cup get no catches? You know, they, they're doubling and triple teaming Cooper Cup. They don't have Brandon Cooks. And suddenly you're looking at Josh Reynolds and Gerald Everett, and that's not the team that went to Super Bowl last year. So they got a rude awakening last week going into Pittsburgh and getting that off the bye, losing that way. And yet they win this game this weekend against Chicago. They're suddenly 6-4. and four and they've got some games they can win moving forward, and they can still make the playoffs. So I can tell you that building right now, and I've spoken to the coaches, they're not hanging their heads in the dump. They also know they're, they're certainly not where they wanted to be to start the season. The Bears, I, I don't see that offense traveling many places and putting out enough points to win. I just don't at this point. So I would think the Rams at home would take care of business. The Bears' defense is not what it was. And yet both teams have been a great, great disappointment. You could argue both teams are greater disappointment than the two teams in this market. Well, listen, uh, the Bears uh, especially, at least the Rams are winning some games. The Bears, their offense has been hideous this year. I mean, it really has been for a team that a lot of people thought was a big-time team this year. Yeah, and look, they they beat the Lions last weekend. You can never discount a win, but they're fighting tooth and nail to get yards. And then on offense, they're they're just trying to do anything to get first downs while they're nearly losing to Jeff Driscoll in his first career NFL start. This won't be that game. The Rams are better than that team. Yeah, you know, it's it, – it's yeah, and the Lions last week playing, yeah, right, the backup quarterback, and I guess they will again this week against the Cowboys. So I gather Stafford's out again. They just announced the – so he's not playing again this week against the Cowboys. And, you know, the Cowboys are in the same uh, same boat. They can't afford to lose any more games after losing to the Vikings last week. they got to win this game this week. I mean, they do catch a backup quarterback, but they're in the same boat. they got to get winning. Backup quarterback, the difference with the Cowboys, of course, is that they're not in that loaded NFC West or that loaded NFC North. The Cowboys can mess around, go 8-8, eight and eight and still make the playoffs. This, though, is that game you have to win. You can't lose to Detroit. Detroit, weird situation there. You know about the quarterback, but I could tell you today, they practiced outside in 20-degree weather. They're an indoor team. A lot of questions going on, like, what, what do we, and, you know, Patricia's about toughness and staying disciplined, and here's when the cold weather comes, it's the biggest game of the season for us. They still think they can salvage their season. Uh, if you can't beat a Detroit Lions team that comes limping in with Jeff Driscoll, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think you're going to be doing many wins this year. Cowboys, I think they have to win this game, but I also think, uh, it's it's more about for them. Let's just win that division, and it's not so much about what happens if we uh, we don't we don't play as well as maybe the Niners or Packers or Saints. That question is gone. That conversation is lost. Well, the the, the one Eagles problem thing. I'll tell you why this is a must win for the Cowboys because their schedule is harder than the Eagles' schedule the rest of the way. It really is, Absolutely. And, and that's why because the Eagles are not the Eagles have this week the the Pats next week Seahawks after that they have the Cowboys at home. And four very winnable games, including two against the Giants, one against Washington, one against the Dolphins. They're going to win those games. So the Eagles right now, I think, are going to have a very fast finish to the season. The Cowboys have a much tougher schedule, so they can't give up this game to the Lions this week because otherwise the rest of their schedule is not easy. 
No, and, and the Eagles have also won the last two games, and they had the bye week, so they feel a little different than they did when they lost to the Cowboys on that Sunday night. It was 14 nothing before they even got out of bed. I mean, this Eagles team, and I talked to guys in that organization, they're one of those teams that says, okay, here we go, November, December, this is when we start really picking it up. The only difference is Nick Foles isn't there to save them. Let's see if Wentz can do it. I tell you, it's going to be interesting. I tell you, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to finish fast. I think they're going to, and they don't even have to win this game if they ever win this game against the Pats this week. And next week, the Cowboys are in New England. So, I mean, as an example, if the Cowboys ever lose this game next week, they're in Foxborough. So, I mean, as an right away, that's a, that's a tough turnaround. So, you know, if the Eagles ever get this one, they really put a lot of pressure on the Cowboys. I mean, because the the Cowboys still have to go to Philly, and like I said, the, Dallas, the, the Philly finishes up with a lot of easy games, including their last week game, which is at at the Giants. So, uh, they're in good shape from that standpoint. So, they put a lot of pressure on the Cowboys right now. I'll tell you who could be in a little bit of trouble, and I think they. They were my Super Bowl pick. The Saints not only lost last week, but if you look at the injuries this week, they are devastated. I mean, they are missing two offensive linemen. Uh, they are missing at least one starting corner, maybe both. They are really banged up all of a sudden, the Saints. So, I mean, if they lose this week, they could be in a little bit of a slide. Yeah, and I think, you know, Andrew Pete is one of those offensive linemen, very underrated player in the league, very respected linemen. He's going to be out maybe – Three four weeks for those I guys. I think six. I think six now. Yeah, so surgery. At the very least. So you've got that situation there with them. And here's what really worries me about the Saints. You come in and you're feeling good and you win all these games at Bridgewater and Brees comes back, doesn't miss a beat. This is the first time that they had not scored 10 points with Brees and Peyton in that Superdome. And they lose to a Falcons team that was playing for just pride at this point. But now you get this Buccaneers team that's feeling themselves a little bit because they beat Arizona. Jameis is throwing the ball over the yard. And the Bucks team is feeling a little loosey-goosey. Like, at the Saints, when you come off a bye and you're feeling yourself and all that stuff happens, and you get smacked around, all of a sudden you've got a target on your back. And this Buccaneers team is one of those, you know, if you've ever watched Jameis Winston play football, you know they're going to jump out 21 nothing and then somehow find a way to lose. But guess what? Sometimes he wins those games. The Buccaneers never ever play poorly against the Saints. Very rarely do they get blown out. This one's in their building in Tampa Bay, and those Buccaneers guys, this might be a lost season. They might be playing for everything, just like Atlanta did in this one. And if the Saints lose to the Falcons and to the Buccaneers back-to-back, well, then we're talking about a schedule that gets really difficult and I, and I don't know so much if we're talking Super Bowl, if we're just talking, hey, can they still win that NFC South? I know. It, it becomes a different season quickly. And, you know, I was so surprised last week that they lost that I went and looked. And I see, oh, my God, I didn't realize that they had lost this lineman in the game and they had lost this guy in the game. And so now you can see why they gave up so many sacks last week. They're banged up on the line. They're banged up at corner. You know, uh, you know they're, ba- they're, they're really hurting this week going into the game. They're very concerned. So they need to find a way to, you know, to, to steal this game this week because they are banged up. Next week, I think, if I remember right, they get the Panthers at home. But all yeah. of a sudden, what looked like it was going to be a big season can turn around very, very quickly uh, it really can uh you know from from that standpoint and you know there's a there's still as you said there's a lot of football left to be played and you know all of a sudden those leads dissipate pretty quickly i mean look at the packers the packers have had a great run and vikings are right on their tails i mean sitting right there i mean as an example too the pack pack can't fool around there vikings are going to win this week they're going to be right there on their tail 
Absolutely. Flipping it around to the Tampa side, Mike, I'm fascinated about the quarterback there. Like, Winston is having these great these great games. Yeah, but you know what there. his problem is? He, he, he makes so many bad plays. So he, makes, he makes so many good plays, but he makes so many bad plays. He makes more big plays pro and con than any quarterback in the league. He makes more than enough good plays to be a, good, to be a top quarterback. Problem is, he makes some of the worst plays you've ever seen, and he can't seem to eliminate them. No, he can't. He's in the fifth year. The contract for Jameis Winston is up at the end of this year. They can't give him an extension till the end of the year. Like, I am fascinated to see. And I know it sounds like, oh, they're the 32nd market. Who cares? This is, this is a former first overall pick. I'm really interested to see how they handle Winston. And if Winston is a pure free agent next year, or if Jameis Winston's a Buccaneer for the rest of his career, because he's doing exactly what he's done his entire career this season. Is a pattern that is five years old. They fall in these big holes. They lose terrible games, and they should win, and they end up 7-9 and nine or 6-10 and 10 every season. Well, you heard Arian say, hey, I cannot get him to throw the ball away. He will not – I mean, basically he tries to make a play on every play, and you can't do it. He, he, he tries to hit the home run on every play. I mean, Luck did that, but Luck was better than him. And Luck, yeah. could, get, Luck could get away with it more than he could. But, you know, Winston will always make five great throws where you'd say, wow, what a great throw. And he'll make five where you say, oh, my God, what the heck was he looking at? And, you know, he has those games, and they're usually in the same game. As you said, these huge swings where they get out fast and they'll blow the lead, and they'll make turnovers, and uh, it, it, that's usually the way their seasons go, but they're dangerous. Texans and Ravens, what do you think? Game of the week, and I, I like the Ravens in it. I think uh, the Ravens are riding on one of these meteoric deals where they're building an offensive game plan that the league is still catching up to. I don't think they caught the Patriots off guard necessarily, but what they're doing is so unique that you've got to build an entire defense to stop it. Mike, they start... Three side ends, a fullback, and very often they'll put a sixth offensive lineman on the field and they'll just run the ball through your gut. It is, it is so fun to watch, and, yeah, he can pass the ball and all that, but it's the running game that is just pulverizing defensive coordinators and defenses. I think this is a true test for the Houston Texans, another team that has shown a pattern of year after year after year, getting into a big game and not being able to win those big games. Usually they're in the playoffs. If they can go into Baltimore, which I can tell you that whole city is feeling itself, that whole fan base is feeling itself, that place is not an easy place to win. If they can go into that building and Deshaun Watson can get a W, then I think you have to talk about the Texans in that Super Bowl conversation because that quarterback had just done something, once again, that is incredible. He's done that team on his back. Uh, To me, this is Baltimore Ravens win, but if Watson finds a way, it makes us totally change the way we're looking at the AFC. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if if they're going to win, they're going to win because they can score. They're not going to stop them. You know that they're going to no, have to. No. They're going to have to score points to win, which they could do. I I listen. I could see the Texans winning that game. I could see the Eagles beating the Pats. I really could because I think the Eagles can run it on the Pats here, and I don't. I think the Pats are vulnerable. They, I mean, and I think the, the only thing I worry about with the Eagles is they haven't been complete this year. They just haven't. They haven't been a complete team at any one point yet, and I'm not sure that just how good they are yet this. year year but if they're coming on now and they've come on a little bit it'll be interesting to see what happens in this game this week 
Yeah, and you know they, they just can't get out of their own way with the injuries. I think Alshon Jeffries is is yeah. not going to play. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson's gone guys. for the year. He's gone for the yeah. year. So yeah. So you're relying on JJ Arcega Whiteside and Nelson Aguilar as your one and two, and Jordan Matthews again. It's like it's not the Eagles they were supposed to be when we started the season and this loaded roster. That said, it's a home game. The place will be rocking. They know that the, either the Cowboys are within a game or they've even got an edge on the Cowboys going into it. I could see the Eagles bringing it. And remember, very few, co- very few coaches, and maybe the only other one I can think of offhand is Tom Coughlin here and maybe Harbaugh sometimes down there in Baltimore. Very few coaches have outdone uh, Bill Belichick in big games, and the Eagles just happen to have one on the sidelines. You know, and you have some very interesting games coming up in the next couple of weeks. I mean, really good games. The it's next, awesome. Yeah, really, so many really good, good games. NFC well, you got the Packers-NFC. Yeah. You have the Packers-Niners game coming up. Then you have mm-hmm. the Niners-Saints game coming up. And you know what's a big game, too? And one that I know uh, CBS protected was the uh, Cowboys-New England, which is a big game, too. You know, that, that is a, that, that's going to be – you know, it's going to be a fun game. It might not be as meaningful for some people because Dallas's record isn't as good, but that's still a fun game when those two play that will be it that, that's a game that's going to get a lot of attention thanksgiving weekend you've got a really interesting one that i like uh niners versus ravens nfc versus yep. afc and both teams team come in hot or a couple losses whatever it is they're two teams who no one expected to be where they're going to be they're sitting there you mentioned cowboys patriots which i think was fox is protected that was a big game for fox i mean also, fox is yeah fox yeah. protected it yes there's also that, uh, that, that Saints versus Niners game in New Orleans, which is a true test to see what the 49ers really are like. We'll know by week 17 which teams are for real and which teams are frauds. And you know who I'm still picking to win the, at least the AFC? Maybe I still think Kansas City, even though they got four losses and they lost that horrible game. I, I still think Kansas City is the best team in football once they get it all going they together. They've got to stop the run, though. They can't they got, stop, they got to the stop run. losing. <laughs> Well, hey, listen, I'm not even worried about the losses as much as I'm worried about the stopping the run. They just they, they it's so fundamental that they just can't stop anybody's running game. What Henry did to him was crazy. I think Henry's still running around and then down the stretch they had all those special teams gaffes and then and Ryan Tannehill's gonna beat you, then I can't tell you much, but I still think this is the year for Andy, and I know it sounds crazy, but they're being looked at as a Super Bowl long shot right now, and I still think if all those wide receivers are out there and they get a couple of these defensive players back and they get a chance to just get their footing, I still would take the Chiefs over just about any other team on the field in, in a neutral setting. But I like next week because I already said, that's you know this time of year you start to circle some games that you want to see. New England hosting the Cowboys at 4.30, and then the Packers and the Niners at 8.20. Though that back-to-back, that is a sweet that is a sweet doubleheader. It really is. And if, I'm, is, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, because yeah. NBC took that game, that yes. Packers, the yes. Seahawks-Eagles they... Seahawks Eagles goes to Fox, and that's an interesting game. So you have yes. three different great games that day that you can kind of kick back next week and say, all right, who's for real and who's a pretender? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, uh, they you know they just moved the Packers and Niners, which you knew they would. You knew they would. I mean, that's a great yeah. game. I mean, that is a that that's a terrific game. They, the Niners need to get the tight end healthy, though. He's got to play in these games. I mean, that's the one thing. I don't know how bad his knee is, uh, but he's got to play in these games. Well, it's him, and then they picked up maybe the biggest acquisition at the trade deadline. The way he was playing is Emmanuel Sanders. He's got right, his hurt his ribs. ribs. Yeah, yeah. And if you watch that game on Monday night against the yep. Seahawks, which was a great one. Best game nine, of the year. It was. They had about, I saw your tweet. I agree. They had nine 
drops from the wide receiver position, nine. Usually it's one or two for a team in a game. You can't win with that, and I don't think they've got the firepower at wide receiver or tight end without Kittle and Sanders, who are clearly their top two targets. I would have – it's funny. I watched that game and thought it was by far the best game of the year. I would have protected the tie when they got the ball back with 150-something and change. Seattle had no timeouts. I I would have run it on first down, and I would have knocked the clock 40 seconds off, even if I got a yard or two, and then I would have attacked. But I would have made sure when I punted it back, there was not a lot of time on the clock. If I was punting it back, I would rather risk missing another long field goal and taking the tie than losing that game. And I thought that's they were, considering how much trouble they were having moving the ball at that point, I really thought the three quick incompletions were a bad look. I really, I, I really did. And I said it to myself at the time. I said I'd run it on first. Because they, if they had a timeout, I wouldn't have done it. Because they would have 12 timeout. But sure. if, they, if they, and I'm not going to not try, but I knew if they didn't have a timeout. So once they didn't have a timeout, I can run it the first down. I can get the game now inside a minute. I still got plenty of time to hit a play and get my field goal. Okay? And the guy had missed a terrible field goal at the end in, in overtime. I mean, he made a great kick at the end of regulation. Then he, then he hit an absolute awful kick in overtime. But the point is, I just would have played for the tie at that point that late in overtime. I wonder if that went through his head, but he didn't. He threw all three incompletions, so it didn't happen. They're, they preach, you know, and yes, this is just cliche football for us at home or whatever. They preach being aggressive, wire to wire. You watch the defensive coordinator Salah on the sideline. He's a madman. You watch the defensive line. Like, that's their whole identity. We're going to beat you in the mouth. We're never going to give up. We're relentless. I don't know. I haven't spoken to Kyle Shanahan about it, and we talked fairly often. We've been spoken about that game. I don't know if he was thinking tired or if it's just already built into the way that they play that, hey, I can't go and look at these guys in the locker room and say, hey, we're settling for a tie hey, I wasn't against our settling. I wasn't I know, settling. I know. I'm, what I'm doing is I'm controlling the game because they don't have a timeout, which means, first of all, who knows the run doesn't go for 20 yards. It might go for 20 You're yards. Right. You, you never right. know. I just would have kept the clock running that hole into the second down just to make sure that if I got a punt it, he doesn't have time to do what he did, which is make one run and win the game. That's what he did. Oh, he made course. one and run and win the game. For- for, for 78 minutes or 73 minutes and 45 seconds, they contained Russell Wilson from that one run, and then you can't keep him contained that way for 75 minutes. He gets that big 20-yard run, puts him in field goal range. And it's going to happen. Russell Wilson, you let him around long enough, he's going to make the play. He's going to kill you. I understand 100%. I don't know if I'm a Niners fan the next morning if I'm thinking that way. Maybe it was smarter – in hindsight to do that, but in the moment, it, it might have occurred to you. I don't think they were thinking that way. I think they no, were thinking, I, they, they, they clearly weren't. They clearly yeah. weren't, but I just would. Uh, the only reason I thought of it is because right on the screen, as they went to the moving to the line of scrimmage, I, I noticed that Seattle has no timeouts, and I said, you know what? I'm making sure this is the last possession then. I'm making yeah. sure. I'm inside the two-minute warning. I'm making sure this is the last possession because I don't want him to do that. I know he's going to do that. I know he's going to finally make a play, and you know he's going to. You know, And he's just so good at making plays, and I think he's been the MVP. I know a lot of people like Jackson. I think that he's been the MVP so far, Russell Wilson. You know, He's had an incredible season. I think, he, I think he's meant more to his team than anybody in the league this year. I, I think that uh, I understand you can make a point for, for Jackson too, but I think this guy has made so many 
big plays in his games that they've won that he is the team right now. I, I think he yeah, really, and you know, at this stage of his life, he is the team. When you play in Seattle, you're up in the Pacific Northwest, you're kind of in a bubble, you're not getting many uh, you know, 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock games on the East Coast. You're always playing that second or third tier Fox game, whatever it is. In the primetime games, they never lose. And Russell Wilson always plays. Remember that, that Rams game earlier this season where yep. – he was he hit Lockett in the ass back of the end. They've had more injuries than anyone. They lost Lockett. They lost Bisley. They lost a lot of different players on defense, and they keep on picking because of that quarterback. I'm with you, Mike. He's my MVP pick, despite how good Lamar Jackson has been. I will add this about the Niners, just because we're talking about them. They play the Cardinals this weekend in San Francisco. I don't care who's on the field. The way their schedule gets, and we talked about the game against the Packers next week, they also have a Ravens game. They also have a Saints game. They've also got to go to Seattle. They've got to play the Rams again on a Saturday night in Week 16. I would, I would not, not want to be a 49ers fan waking up on Monday with a loss to the Cardinals this weekend. No, I, I, I totally agree. And they, that can't happen. They have too tough a schedule. Their schedule is brutal, and they need to get the tight end back. He's such an integral part of everything they do. But they really have, you know, that team's improved a heck of a lot. They have a good defense now. They really do. I mean, they have a yes, very, they, they really have a good defense. And, and they played a good, I mean, that's why that was such a good game. I'll tell you this, Seattle made a great pickup in Clowney. He has, uh, he was, sing, he, he has won, they told me he's won two games single-handedly this year. Uh, he he has been sensational for them this year. And I know they said in the other games he was up and down, but at two games they said he was unstoppable. He was unstoppable Monday night. He was unbelievable in that game. He really was. They made three moves in the last couple of weeks. I guess they start with Clowney, who dominated on Monday night. I think he had like 10 quarterback hits, something ridiculous. Quandre Diggs was a move they made quietly at the trade deadline. It was a very good safety for the Lions. He made an interception in that game. And then they brought Josh Gordon in, where everyone else, not a single other team, put a waiver claim in. Josh Gordon made two big third-down catches, you know, seven days after getting there. The, the Seahawks approach their roster unlike any other team. They will go for it. They will make that move, and they will get rid of it, just like the Patriots do if they don't think it's working. But they find these guys, whether it be Will Disley or Hollister or Puna Ford, who no one else has ever heard of or didn't work for them, and they get up and they make big plays and they win games. It, it's really a fascinating thing. Don't think to watch to see how the Seattle Seahawks because they pay their quarterback a ton, they pay their middle linebacker a ton. Everyone else makes peanuts, and they seem to get by with that. Hey, they continue to win. They continue to be relevant, which is a heck of a job. You know that it's been a long time since the Super Bowl. They've done a heck of a job. All right, we'll talk soon. Thanks very much. You're the best, Mike. Thank you. See you, see you Peter Schrager. You watch him on Fox.